Worth Thing. I'm your host, Joshua Lewa. I want to take a moment just to say thank you to all the listeners who followed us from really around the world. We've had listeners from the United States, Europe, Asia, and Africa. In particular, Vietnam, France, Canada, Pakistan, Japan, Sweden, Nigeria, the UK, Cameroon, Germany, Bangladesh, Nepal, India. I want to let you know that I see you and I hear you, and I'm just glad that you're getting something out of this. Uh, I hope that you continue to listen to our show as we head towards season two, which will kick off in November. For now, we're going to have two best of episodes. We're going to have just some of the clips from season one where we get to hear from some of our guests as they drop some amazing jewels of hope and inspiration. And then again, tune in for season two, which comes out in November. So two best of episodes and we'll go to season two. I'd love to hear from those folks who are following us around the United States, of course. We have people in Arizona, California, New York, and so many other places. I'm just super touched and, and thrilled that you all are tuning in. So email us on the website, jw at bestworstthingpodcast.com, and I'd love to stay in touch with you. Until then, enjoy the episode. out there constantly it's pretty amazing it's putting you some really interesting positions well I learned, I learned that from my uncle to be honest with you my uncle who lived in Swaziland uh, he's a doctor and he's still he, he's still in Swaziland and one of the things I will never forget him saying and I'll never forget he actually took me and my brother Kuru to it was to be like a a, 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 a burrito a taco kind of like a Mexican spot it was an old capital mall right and it was upstairs and he was visiting and and we're sitting there eating like it was it was like uh, i don't know it was like a, it was like a we were like it was like burritos but it was like a it was a sit down place and i'll never forget that he said that if you want to get things done you have to know how to uh, get along with people and 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 create a spirit of cooperation or collaboration and something I've learned from you at that time is that, and, and by the way, you're the one who recruited me into Phi Beta Sigma. Yep. Like literally me and my brother. And then I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. And you were like, oh, yeah. You were giving me like, yo, Nambi has a Kiwi was a Sigma. Oh, Pami Kruma was a Sigma. I was like, oh, snap, word. <laughs> but it's that ability to connect with people or feel what they relate to and 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 keep on those those commonalities right not not dwell on the differences when you when you when you when you basically find that overlap where there's commonalities and then you compound it and then they segue into other things you don't you can't be someone's friend you you become someone's friend you know what i'm saying so even even in fraternity we learn that you don't you can't just be a sim you have to become one there's a whole uh uh, way of looking at things. Uh, it's the same thing as when you go to a company, is the culture of the company, you get onboarded, they t t tell you the purpose or the mission of the company, and then then you have something in common with, with basically your colleagues, and that's that mission or that goal. And so what my uncle said was, like, you, you want to get things done, you have to be able to learn how to work with people and all, all kinds of people, uh, different kinds of personalities, interests, conflicting interests sometimes. 
maybe people don't even like each other. But he, he, I remember him sitting and telling us about like if you meet someone, don't ask some, don't ask them for something right away, because then the the guards are gonna come up like, okay, all right, you know what I'm saying? You just change the dynamic. I'll never forget all these things. And I used to see him in Swaziland. I used to see him, um, uh, and I couldn't walk a block with my uncle in Swaziland. It's a small little country in Southern Africa. And when I, when I grew up in Zimbabwe, we used to go visit. And you can't go walk a block because everyone's saying, hi, Dr. Rukundo, hi, 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 hi. And you're like, yo, uncle, we just we, we have to get to the, the restaurant. Like, it's just right there. And, and so... I realized something. I was like, okay, all this, all these books and all this stuff, I'm gonna learn. But it's people, it's people that are going to um, get anything done or be able to work together. I can't do anything by myself, you know. And and we talked about the support system as an intern. Like that was just to stay alive. Like literally, like you know, and and, and morale because you're gonna go through stuff. And if you don't have allies or people soundboards people you can talk to you don't have mentors people who you can get advice so you don't reinvent the wheel or sponsors people who can help lending lend a hand or put in a good word and champion you and, and or recommend you like there's a difference between mentor and sponsor people you know you don't so 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 if you have all of that uh, these are all people sorry sorry about that those are all people these are all people. So I'm not putting myself out there just to be out there. It's to stay connected with people who are important to me and I'm important to them for whatever reason and to, and to keep that energy, you know, you know what I'm saying? Alive. And, and if, if, if somebody, if somebody uh, uh, is like uh, shady or, Oh, you know, I don't want anything to do with that person. And I don't even have to tell them. I don't even have to announce it. I, don't no. have to, I just, just keep moving. As simple as that, right? But when someone means something, you know, the, the dad connection is important. And, and, and you know, that's, that, that's, that, that, that's that. My guess is you've been able to apply that same concept in the work that you've done. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you just named two of um, I, what I think are the most important leadership skills to have is perspective taking and empathy and then um, vision, honestly, um, and motivating others. So you just named a whole bunch of leadership skills and what you just talked about. And so um, that empathy piece is huge, huge, huge. And so whether we're willing to um, and, and I'm trained in the Dare to Lead um, work from Brene Brown. And so I don't know if you've had a chance to look at the, the daring leadership versus the arming, armored leadership and the, um, and the empathy work that shows up that needs to show up in our work. Um, but really being able to understand, being willing to take on other people's perspectives, being willing to assume that people are doing the best they can with what they have in the moment, that's generosity. And then... Um, asking, what do you see? What is your perspective? What is your story on this? You know, and giving them a, a real space and building that trust for them to share authentically. I think those are huge pieces that, um, that I think companies are starting to recognize that when people feel safe and I mean, there's some research out there too, that psychological safety is one of the number one indicators of productivity in teams. And so when you can build that trust um, through empathy, through perspective taking, through um, holding a space for them to share their real selves, then that's where you really meet people where they are. 
I think, um, you know, the first step of authenticity is really just being able to become whole within yourself. And I don't think many of us, particularly, I know those of us who grow up in our survival mode, we don't have the luxury of, you know, getting to spend that time with ourselves. Um, but we can have opportunities to do that if we seek those out. And ultimately, um, I love this saying, I don't know where it comes from, but, you know, we are not at fault for our pasts, but we are responsible for our healing now where we are. And so um, when we can take some time and um, intentionally get to know ourselves within that, and then we're able to be honest with others. So your example of not wanting to go eat, if you don't feel like it, like, that's something I I've struggled with, you know, like for sure. And that's a great example of you're able to recognize one that you don't want to go eat right then for whatever reason. And then that's okay. And that you value yourself enough to be honest with other people, you know, um, and people who value honesty, I think will, um, have, have respect for that. You know, um, the other thing I want to say about authenticity is that, you know, being unapologetic and what that looks like. And so, In leadership, we talk about overuse and underuse, like unskilled versus skilled versus overusing skills, right? So we can absolutely do any of these things too much or too little. And the, um, you know, and when, when we come out and like, this is who I am and everybody else just has to deal with it. If it hurts other people, that's using it too much, right? So that's the overuse side. The unused side is the dishonesty with yourself and then, you know, not sharing that with others or being afraid to share who you are with others because of what they might think. Um, But really when it comes down to authenticity and in my experience, you know, my story is out there. It is on the internet. It is, um, you can Google me and and have speeches and YouTubes about all of the worst things, right? Um, But I consciously made that decision early in my advocacy career um, around the time I decided to not be a Latin professor, that my story, if it could serve a purpose for this world, then I wanted it out there and people can take it as they want. And I know for a fact that I have not gotten certain jobs because I've done that, because there's still a lot of stigma around adversity, around mental health, around recovery, um, around trauma, just frankly. And so, um, and so I know that, and I knew that going in that I, um, because I was being authentic at that level. Um, and I don't recommend that for everyone, honestly. Um, you've got to really think strategically around what you're sharing, who you're sharing it with, what impact that might have down the road. Um, you know, people like lawyers, doctors, you know, if they know that you have a mental health condition, you can actually be prevented from getting your professional certification. And so things like that, you know, you've really got to consider. But for myself, I have just come to terms with um, early on, and I'm really thankful that I did that, you know, if somebody doesn't hold the same values that I do around mental health and around healing and around recovery, then it's probably not going to be a good fit for me working in that place anyway. And so, yes, there's stigma. Yes, there's strategic sharing. Yes, there's the way in which you talk about yourself. And that's really important when it comes to authenticity. But I think just owning, you know, knowing first yourself and then owning yourself and your story, I think is what really um, can allow you to live free. And that's really what I think authenticity is. You gotta get rid of that, man. Like uh, that negative stuff. And I've been 
you know, <laughs> negative for a, you know, a long time, you know what I mean? And I've tried to shake that as much as I could. And, uh, I struggle with anxiety and, you know, sometimes anxiety could lead to depression. You know, I've been depressed at grip, you know, throughout the years, but, you know, knowing yourself and like shaking it off is, you know, half the battle, you know what I mean? Just to even like get in front of the computer and work on stuff like, Oh no. And then you start tripping out about things and, and, uh, you know, just shaking it off and battling it. It's just, that, there's that battle there before anything else begins for me, you know, in the morning, how's it going to be today? <sighs> okay. I'm all right. You know what I mean? Like I'm alive. Okay. Yeah. Cause then you start just making up stuff in your mind and start putting all these scenarios that just will never pan out to anything except some kind of stupid worry that you just don't need to be incorporating into your, uh, daily operation. You know, there's another gang star reference for you. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Premier is my hero. I say, but well, I, yeah, well, you know, I, I connect with anxiety and and dealing with bouts of depression. And I think yeah. again, sometimes people see you from the outside. It looks so good because of the things you've been able to do in your career, yeah. and and then, but they don't know the internal struggles. I love when people come out and say, like, look, I deal with that anxiety, you yeah. know, the, the stress, the panic, you know, the self doubt. Um, and yeah. somehow I, you know, there's some tools that you know I utilize. Whether it's just starting the day and being like. We're going to figure out today and make it work. That's yep. amazing. We're having good people behind you. I think those are those are really good points, and, and that's good for people to listen to and understand. Anxiety is no joke, and depression is no joke, and mental health is no joke. You know, I'm not gonna, you know, I don't want to sit up here and parade like how much of no joke that it is. But uh, I mean, it's just uh, it's tough. It makes stuff really hard, and you just you have to just believe that it's going to be okay at some point. You know, whether it be in God, faith in God, go to church do whatever you got to do. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a lot, of, whatever gets you by, I'm a firm believer in that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, obviously some people, like I said, just go to church. Other people just drink, <laughs> you know, I did struggle with alcohol for a long time. You know, I can admit that I haven't drank in a while, but you know, alcohol is not going to solve anything <laughs> except make it more confusing. Sure. Some stuff might be fun in the, in between, but like, you know, at the end of the day, you know, that's not the advice I'd give <laughs> to sit yeah, there. That's been and, my uh, experience. <laughs> hey, man. My ex- <laughs> I live in Long Beach. There's a bar on every corner. It goes bar, church, bar, church, bar, like on one street. Like, yeah. It's like, why is it set up like that? You know what I mean? It's like, but, do, you, you know. do your sinning and do your repenting in the same oh, block? Yeah, right next door. <laughs> Just right. But. You know, for the most part, I've had really good people around me, good friends like yourself, even, you know, we don't live next to each other, but I can call you up anytime, shoot the shit for like an hour and feel better about things that are happening. And, you know, and I'm grateful for all of that stuff, dude, because without like a support system, you, you, don't, you don't have anything. You can't do it alone. And I'm not just like doing music or doing whatever. I'm just, just even doing life. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, you know, what's up. it's just, uh, you need to have good people around you. Because of Strange Donuts, I knew the people from World's Fair. Because of World's Fair, I I got this far, you know? And it's like, to go from this kid that can't read to like, maybe one of the biggest landowners in Missouri, right? Like, what? You know? And I still like, people think I'm lying, you know? But I swear to God, man, I know you know this because you know me and we're friends, but like, 
I don't think I'm anybody special. And I think like my real message is like, Hey man, don't buy into this crap that like there's some kind of caste system. You know what I mean? Like, I really do think it's, you know, people are definitely at different, you know, starting points, you know, but you work hard, be good. And, um, it might not happen in your lifetime. This is something that I think about. And I know I'm just kind of running right now, dude. And you'd stop me, ask me questions, but like, I think about like, I think about some of the people, you know, where I grew up and, you know, you know, single mom, few kids working her ass off. And like, I feel, I, I see people like try to represent that woman, you know what I mean? And like, you know, she needs $30 an hour and she needs one job and whatever. And it makes me think about, I'm like, I've really settled into this position where I'm like, maybe all my hard work is about me, you know, maybe it's not my lifetime. Ooh, I get like emotional. Think about it, dude. That like, maybe I'm not the dude. Maybe I'm just meant to work my ass off so that my kids, my kids receive that benefit. You know, maybe, maybe that woman that's like, you know, move to a place that she can't afford and she's working three jobs so her kids can get a better education. You know what? Maybe you're not going to get a break. You know, maybe you're not going to get a vacation. Maybe you're not going to get a new car. But maybe that's the sacrifice. And I think that, like, I've thought for a while now, like, you know what? Like, this isn't about me. This isn't about Jason getting ahead and having stuff how can I best serve, you know, the people around me with the assets that I have? And, um, I don't know. That's it. I have like a, at the same time that I'm like, you know, I have all this stuff and on paper, I'm a millionaire, right? I'll talk about that a lot, but on paper, I'm a millionaire. Strange donuts last year. I made $9,000. Okay. Why? because I'm like, pump it back in, you know, pay people that work for me. You know, the lowest paid employee made way more money than I did, but I have like a 50 year vision of this, you know? And so I get like, we were talking like, man, on a daily basis, there's these knocks, you know, like, man, I suck today, you know? But if I kind of zoom back and I'm like, okay, will this matter in 50 years? No. Okay, is there a problem that can affect me 50 years from now that I have to take care of right now? Yeah. And it makes it easier to just kind of like stomach it, take lumps, and like look above that. Like I have a 2004 Honda Odyssey that's like beat, you know, like, and I'm like, you know what, dude, that's fine. It runs. And uh, in a few years, it might be a Porsche. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I'm interested. I'd, I'd feel bad if I pulled up in a Porsche right now and my employee had the 04 Odyssey, you know? Mm-hmm. So what, and that's led to some crazy stuff where like we have less than 2% turnover in all my companies. Wow. No that's one, amazing right there. Right. So I don't know. You do good for people with no expect of return, try to add as much value to their lives as you can. And then I don't know great things keep happening to me and for me and uh i'm nobody special
to break it down. They just, you have to know who you are behind like what the world wants you to be. And that's easier said than done. So like, let's break things down. Like let's journal and let's get, let's give you some journaling prompts. Let's meditate. Let's use Oracle cards um, and, and do some breath work and kind of self-reflect. Let's go on outdoor walks in nature and, figure out who you are and what you truly want. And that's where happiness is. I've listened to so many podcasts of like these people who have like these billionaires who have had these like crashes where they've lost everything. And after they had lost everything, they had to like rebuild themselves. And that's when they learned like happiness is, does not come from money. It will never bring you happiness. It will bring you freedom. (laughs) It will bring you things that will make you happy, but that won't like physically bring you internal happiness. And, you know, a, a, the most beautiful body in the world, like I've been in fitness magazines on billboards in China and I've got my pro card and, you know, I've built (laughs) an awesome business that I'm head over heels with what really makes you happy is um, knowing who you are and showing up for yourself. And um, I feel like that was like my moment with like the billionaires where they lost everything was kind of like where I walked away from competing. I had to rebuild myself. I will say like I got bullied a lot in um, high school and I would say like a lot of like me wanting to help women definitely comes from that, that hurt girl in you know, high school. And, um, I'm not sure if I answered your question correctly. If you wanted more like tactical things. Um, No, I think that's it. I think I want to see the foundation. Absolutely. Yeah. But it it truly comes from like, I feel like my soul, um, like I am in love with my business. I don't do it. Like they always say like, when I was jogging this morning, I was thinking about this podcast and I was, I have this like quote in my head of one of my friends was like telling me to like structure my business like this. Cause like, you know, somebody who made like a lot of money like this and he's like, I was like, but that's not aligned with my vision. Like I'm not doing that. And he was like, you do what makes you the most money. (laughs) And while I think that could be like, that could be realistic for some people like that's a fast track to burnout. Yeah. And so I can show up for my clients because I am obsessed with what I do. And so if I'm obsessed with what I do and I show up for them like, and go above and beyond, they're going to refer people and they're going to be happy. And they're going to, in three years when they want a little more accountability after working with me, they're going to reach back out. If they had a baby, they're going to reach back out, you know, kind of thing. And things happen for a reason. So, you know, one of my saving graces in this business, because it can be very cutthroat, Uh, You have so many people out here, so many talented people out here trying to make it and very few get these prime opportunities. Um, And, and like I said, I, that is my saving grace. That mentality of what's for you is for you. You know, if I go into an audition and I did an amazing job and it's a role that I would be like, Oh my gosh, I would love this role, but I didn't get it. It wasn't for me. 
And, and that gives me peace. And I don't look at it like rejection. I don't look at it like I got to know. It just wasn't mine, you know? So then maybe my amazing role is manifesting itself in the universe. But I'm also a very, very firm believer in you can't fight or force things. You have to flow. And I think that that's what you're talking about. Like, I, I set this goal and it came and it didn't get it, you know? Because if we fight, if we force something or we try to fight, it's not going to be right. Mm. You just have to flow. Like like you said, the universe, you have to just like let go and go, okay, this is not under my control, right? I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to take my steps to that goal. I'm going to be working it because there's all these little victories on the way there, right? And like you said, you look up and all of a sudden maybe it happened. Not when you wanted it to happen, but it did happen. But you also gained all this other information. You learned about yourself. You, you know, you went through struggles, but you came out. You know what I'm saying? You grew from that. So, I mean, I just... I don't know. I, I think that those are the biggest things that, that push me, that keep me afloat. Um, I mean, I do have moments and I'm an optimist. So um, I'm the whole glass is half full, you know, and, and this and that. But, you know, there's moments that you're human and, and you have your woe is me moments. I have those where I'm kind of like pitying myself and I'm all like, oh, you know, and, and, and then when I'm in those moments, I get frustrated with myself. I'm like, really? Like, really? This, this is what you always talk about. Like, but it's okay to be human and have those moments and recognize it. It's okay to sit in it for a little bit. It's like, all right, I'm going to sit here for a second. I'm going to get my little pity party and my little woe is me. And then I'm going to keep it moving, you know, because it's okay to feel that way. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you have to honor where you are, you know? And, and like, I don't know, I guess that's, that's my biggest thing is like that, those kinds types of things bring me peace. I mean, a little story that not a lot of people know uh, is just in November I had decided to step away from acting because for two years I had hardly worked. And that's once again, this business, you know, I had, I had really close to getting several really big roles, getting some shows and I didn't get it. So I was doing the work, but I can't control who they choose and I can't control who they're going to bring in the room. Right. Um, and it was hard and, and it was because financially it was hard. And then you hit a certain age in your life. I just want to travel and I want to live and I want to, and out here it's, it's too hard to own anything because everything's expensive. I right. want a house. Like what I'm paying for rent right now, I could own like acres back in Iowa. Okay. I could be for having sure. a mansion. I could own a, probably own a town. Okay. <laughs> um, but you know, I, those are, there's things that I want to experience, you know, in this life and it's, it's just really hard. And so I was going through a really big internal struggle with that because I just wasn't, I wasn't good inside, you know what I'm saying? And, and it causes stress in other, in other ways and affects your relationships, affects you know, just everything. Um, and I think going into this field of acting, I knew since I, since I had never planned on being an actor, and then I became an actor, I knew that paths change. And I knew coming in that five, 10 years from when I started, I may not be acting because I never planned on being an actor, right? So I kind of already knew that. Um, and so I was at a place where acting wasn't my end all be all. You know, I enjoy it. I still put in the work, but there's other strengths and other gifts that I have. I'm a writer, I've always been a writer. I thought I was gonna go into journalism and those types of things and then that changed. Uh, but I want to direct and there's other things that excite me and that I was, you know, but with acting, I wasn't having fun anymore, you know? And it, and it was like, what's the point? I'm not, I don't want to do it just to do it. And like I said, if I'm not good in here, I'm not going to be good, you know, out there. So I actually sat down with my agents, with my managers and I told them I have to step away. I wasn't quitting, but I was, I had to break away because I kind of had a, 
I felt like I had an artistic block as well. There was just something, stuff wasn't as raw and it was just like, I just needed to get healed in here. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I'm very fortunate that I have an amazing team that is very supportive. And they said, you know, we love you and take all the time you need. And I was, and I, and I was like, I'm going to cut my hair because I was having hair issues. I'm cutting it off. And they're like, okay, it's fine. And I got a whole bunch of white hair anyways. And that was already a thing. I'm like, I'm not coloring my hair no more. Cause I'm, I can't play 20 anyways. I can't really play my two age. Like it's fine. You know, cause this business is funny. Cause they're like, Oh, if they see white hair, they're going to think, you know, I'm like, whatever. There's, you know what I'm saying? Like I want to age gracefully. I don't yeah. want this business to dictate that you have to be a stick or you have to, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, I, I made that decision and I had peace with it. I was at peace with my decision, you know, because I, I needed to. And it's funny because a month later, well, we had decided collectively that I, I could pass on anything. Like they would send me maybe auditions, like really focus on big roles. And if I wanted to pass, I could, no questions asked, which you don't get that freedom a lot as an actor with your reps. Mm. <laughs> Usually they're like, oh, you don't want to go out? Okay, we're, you know, we're not going to be sending you out. Um, but they gave me that. So that took that burden off of me, right? And so uh, an audition came through. And the only reason I went in was because I love the casting directors. And I hadn't seen them in three years. Okay. And I said, I'm only going in because I love them. And then lo and behold, I booked it. And then that took me to New Orleans. And that's the biggest role I've had yet. Yeah. Right when I said, I'm taking a break. You know, and not, hardly anything for two years. And I was like, Psh. but once again, trying not to fight or force anything. You have to flow. I honored where I was. I acknowledged where I was. I was at peace with where I was. And I just let go. And then all of a sudden the universe was like, oh, I'm sorry. No, you're not taking a break. <laughs> Here, I'm gonna give you this. You know what I'm saying? So it's just funny how that can happen. Thank you for listening to the Best Worst Thing Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Lee. Music is produced by Josh One. You can follow him at Boom Note on Instagram and Twitter and Josh One on Spotify. Our episodes are edited by Cool Jets Audio and Visual. You can follow them at Cool Jets AV on Instagram. Our marketing is designed by Francesca Daniels. You can find her at Frank and Kitty24 on Instagram. And our overall design is by Inspired Design with Ryan Daniels. You can find them at getinspired.design on Instagram. Thank you for listening to The Best Worst Thing.